Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the New Year Gear QA podcast number 275. Okay, so as always, I got a couple early questions. And uh, the first question that got my attention was from Tim. He said, hey, thanks for everything, Phil. Do you use an AB or ABY switch? If so, do you have any recommendations looking to switch between the Katana and the Spark? I absolutely love the uh, radial ABY switcher. I think it's still $99. It might be 109 new if you can't find one used. It's fantastic. Can't imagine you have any problems with it. It's amazing on every level. My radial, radial ABY boxes at least 10 or 15 years old. And this is one of the rare things that I've done on the channel where companies have sent me a couple ABY boxes. I've never done any videos on them because every time, if it's not cheaper or better, but it really needs to be better and cheaper, cheaper than the radial, I never see a point to show them to anyone. Um, sometimes I like to give you guys different perspectives of gear, but I just, that thing's just great, cheap, made well. I mean, it's everything you could want. James? Jay, I think that's right. Jane, uh, he says new guitar day, but it's not a new guitar. It looks like a pedal. He got a Centaur, Klon Centaur clone by Demon FX. And uh, he says, I barely gave it a test run. I, I work from home. Not enough to find the sweet spot. You know, and I like this. Uh, he's not, he's just telling us. He's just sharing stuff with you. But as someone who likes that pedal, that that Klon Centaur type pedal, everybody's going to have a reason for liking it. Obviously, John Mayer likes it for some reason. Um, a ton of artists use it for all kinds of legitimate ways. However, I want to tell you why I like it. And I use it so much. Pedals like that. I like to think of those kind of pedals as doing the heavy lifting. And I think that's one of the things on gear channels. You know, like I said, we, we get on it a little bit and then we get off of it because there's so many hot topics to talk about, but sometimes when we're talking about gear, guitars, amps, pedals, cables, capos, you name it, there's reasons for wanting this stuff besides just wanting it. There's reasons like besides like it's cool looking or it's the hot thing that everybody's talking about. At the basic foundation of it, gear solves problems for uh, musicians, no different than any other tool for any other artist. For me, a lot of times what gear, what I'm looking for in gear is like a, what I'm just saying about that Klon Centaur type pedal to do the heavy lifting. I want it to kind of push the amp a little bit, add some sustain, add some fullness. I've found that some players have this really cool ability between the way that they use a pick and the way that they use their left hand to make certain notes plump. And I've seen it. I've seen it because I've, I've played with those musicians. I've watched them play with their guitar, their pick, <laughs> you know, their, their cable, their, their amp, everything, their rig, play and get not, I don't mean just the lick that they're doing is complicated or hard. I'm talking about just playing a note. You can't play a note that much different than somebody else. At least can you? Because when they hand me their guitar and I do the same thing, I hit that note, my attack is so much different that it, it, it kind of takes some of the fullness out of the note. And I've tried different picks. I've tried different picking techniques and I've improved it so much over the years for what, from what it is that I want it to sound like from, from where, what it sounds like. And for some reason I learned early on that you can use gear to fix problems. Like for instance, I don't really, I could spend the next five years trying to rechange the way I pick a note, or I can just add this pedal that does and will make me have that fullness that I like. So on a Klon pedal, I don't care if it's a $59 Klon copy or a real Klon pedal or a $200 Klon co copy, whatever it is, I find that all those pedals, I can do the same thing, which is plug into an amp and just get a little bit of like thickening agent on it. I don't want it to work so hard. So the reason I just say that to you is because I'm excited you got a new pedal today, but also I think that's what's cool about having a gear channel and a gear uh, show where there's a lot community of gear of guitar nerds where we could share not only like what pros do but just what we all do 
Uh, Zombie Guitar Company says, hey, Phil, any advice for guitar shop or individual planning to getting a CNC router and start making their own guitars? This is really a common thing uh, out there now. A lot of a lot of people getting CNC machines and building their own guitars. I would never discourage anybody from an idea. If you have a passion and you have the desire and you're willing to take, you know, a calculated risk, I, I got to throw that in there, right? Everything should, all your, anything you do should be somewhat calculated in what risk you're willing to to do, you should do it. However, that being said, so that's my thing. Like I said, do it. If you if if you're asking me if I think you should do it, that's a different question than you know you're telling me you're going to do it. If you're telling me, hey Phil, I'm going to get a CNC and I'm going to start making guitars, I would say, man, go for it. Have a good time. Part of the question here it says any advice. Here's the thing about this and the CNC machines. The reason I say this is because Zombie Guitar Company is also a store. They they they're a retail store. I always caution anyone in creating too many things. There is the saying, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. There's a little concern when you do too many things. And although in your mind, I think you think maybe, I think most people can say, okay, if I'm doing retail, think of how I started in this industry. I started with making bases, then I opened a store. Notice I stopped doing the bases with the store. And that's because that's what I learned real fast. You can't have a successful enterprise of just apologizing all the time. Every day just can't be, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't get your order done because of was building a base. And I'm sorry I didn't get your base done because I was at my store talking to a customer about signing up for lessons, right? Like you have to have either the infrastructure to handle all these things and you might have. So I'm, I'm not here to tell you you don't or anything. I'm just saying, well, look at my uh, business model now, even with the YouTube channel and all this stuff, everything, everything I do overlaps. In other words, it tends to not go against each other. It goes with each other. And that's the something I've learned over the years. I have technically now four businesses. I, I say four because it's actually five, but five is the fifth one is isn't making money. It's something I started about a year ago. You'll hear more about it in about a year from now. All of my businesses essentially overlap in a point. If I'm working on one, the other ones are still hitting handled because of the fact that it kind of syncs together. It, it supports each other. And so that's what I would suggest to you is thinking about that, making sure if you're going to start building guitars, even though you have a store and you can sell guitars, that's not just the end of it. You want to think about how you're dividing your time. The second thing I would also advise, and this is a real common one too, is I think a lot of people guitar in this industry start with the weirdest idea which is fine which is this i'm gonna make a guitar and i kind of did the same thing so you know this is why i said half, half of my advice oh geez i'm just not even half 90 percent of the advice i give you is from my either my failures or from my experience of a potential failure i find those are the best pieces of advice i could give you what i got right doesn't seem to help anybody what, what i got wrong could stop you from doing it and what i did is i thought if i build some instruments when I did my bases and I go, I'll, I'll build bases and I'll sell them. And when I met Lawrence Petros from LPD Pedals, you know, he was making pedals. And the first communication we had is, you know, in, when we were talking was kind of the same subject matter, which is building a product is half the, uh, half the battle. It's not even, I don't even think it's the hard part. It's selling the product. A perfect example is look at how many YouTube channels now exist and how all of them say basically the same thing. We're inundated. Uh, I can't, I have to say no five times. Oh, I say a day. That's, that's not that much. That's not that much. I'll say, I have to say no 10 times a week to companies because I don't have the time to do everything. So, and if I'm saying it 10 times a week, I mean, there's channels producing three, four times more content than me. What, how many times are they saying no? And how many of these channels are there? There's a lot of companies being told no. And why are they here in the first place? They're here to get in front of you guys. And because we're sitting with audiences, the audiences are potential customers. And essentially that's what they, you know, that's what they see is this is where the, the marketing is. So essentially you have, 
you see where it, where it ends, which is you can build instruments, but you have to understand that selling them is actually the hardest part, in my opinion. And so that's what I, I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm telling you to pre be prepared for it. I know you sell guitars for a living, so I'm sure you're prepared for this, but I don't think you understand. Also, when I say things have to line up, this is where I caution you. And I, again, I'm going to say this with some kid gloves, not for you, but because I don't need, you know, drama out there on the internet. Look, there's a lot of YouTube channels out there that I respect, and they decided to kind of create their own thing their own product line. And their business model was essentially to tap into their audience and sell to their audience. And I think that's a smart business play, but the downfall of that, which is why I caution you for this too, if you have a store, which is why I didn't want to have a brand and a store at the same time is, how am I supposed to be objective to a customer if I say, hey, what's the best guitar in your store? And I go, oh, it's the McKnight one. <laughs> right? Uh, you know, and that's where it gets a little tricky. It's like, I don't, that's why I said I'm very cautious about what I get involved in and why I do it. Um, uh, because the fact that I, I don't want to lose this, this thing that I've created, which is when I say creative, it's not the channel. It's this, uh, relationship with so many guitar players out there. This, this relationship that says that I'll shoot you straight is, is very, very important to me and to the point where it has to prevent me from doing certain things that could really let me cash in on this. And the same thing to you, I would say, is the cautionary thing. If you sell other guitar brands and you start making your, other, your own guitars, it is a, a tricky thing. So I think it's cool that you uh, may want to do this. And if it's your passion, like I said, don't let anybody stop you from that. But I, I want to give you, like I said, you thought what the advice was. My advice is I don't know if I'd want to sell other products, just like this channel. I don't know if I want to review every product on there and then also sell my own product at the same time. That is a, a tricky thing um, to do. Um, Scott says, are you out of base of the ship? I've been out of base since 2005. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I haven't made a base since 2005. Um, like I said, I had them in my store. I should share the picture with, there was a, there was a funny picture when we decided I was going to stop doing the bases and there's a picture where I just have rows of them in my store because I sold them all throughout the store to get, you know, to we didn't clearance them. We just let them sell out through time. And it was for that reason that was your only it was once I decided I was like, okay, my relationship with my customers is I sell different brands and I'm going to represent those brands. And, uh, and uh, that's why I want to do it that way. So that's why I said, I, I always caution people from doing multiple, multiple things. I find you end up, you end up sometimes stepping on your own feet. All right. What? Uh... Okay. Hold on a second. I'm just reading our comments. If there's anything on the uh, Sean, you know what? This is a very fair, fair question. Our comment, uh, fair in the idea that I, I think it was uh, presented well. So I'm going to give it Sean. Uh, Sean says, "I feel like Chapman Guitars ruined Rob Chapman's YouTube career." And and first of all, everybody has a different opinion. I'm sure of that. And you know, if you, I don't know how being a YouTube channel this long, I can explain it to you, but obviously I don't think his career is ruined or his channel is ruined. I would bet, and I'm not saying this for any other reason, look, I, am, I have no skin in this game, <laughs> right? I've met Rob Chapman, I think twice uh, in both conversations 
were under. Oh no, I, I actually to be fair, I, I met him three times, and I've never had a conversation longer than five or ten minutes with him ever. So that tells you how what our relationship is. And the reason I say that is this: uh, being on this side of this game, this curtain, whatever, doing this, right? I don't know if I'm a successful person on YouTube, but I do have over a quarter million subs and a hundred million views. So that just gives, means all I'm doing is telling you that I can tell you that from looking at what I see with him is, he's doing fine. He's probably doing better now than he did five years ago. And it's because it's perceptionary. Everybody has a perception of how something works. And then you think you know how it works, but it works differently. And what I mean by that is, the biggest way to make money on YouTube, if you're gonna make, we're just talking about YouTube right now. We're not talking about all the ways you can make money on the side. You gotta understand as a catalog, it makes total sense when you think about it, right? When people think of a YouTube channel that pops, the first thing they think of is, okay, this channel pops and they're getting 100,000 views. I try not to do this YouTube talk, but we'll just be brief, okay? Um, you get 100,000 views, you get 100,000 views, you get a million views, whatever the deal is that, that makes people go, wow, the channel. But you understand at that point that there's nowhere for that fire to burn, okay? So let me give you an example. Let's say you have a, cha a channel and you have 10 videos and your 10th, 11th video goes viral, gets 2 million views. 2 million people, let's say uh, 50,000 people subscribe because of that video and they watch your other nine videos, okay? Now I want you to fast forward and imagine now that your channel has 200 videos and you get a video that's not even viral. We're not talking about 2 million views. We're talking about a video that gets 100,000 views. Just think about the numbers. If you only get 15,000 people to watch, but 15,000 people go back and watch your entire back catalog, you see how incrementally you've actually got more views collectively. So when you watch channels now, and I see it all the time, if you actually look at channels, you can look at a channel and let's say I was look at this channel five years ago and say, man, five years ago, they were getting 100,000 views per video. And now they're only getting 20,000 views per video. But collectively, they've also created 400 more videos in which people can binge watch dive you'll see that they're actually either doing the same or more. But really what happens is as people do YouTube, they kind of figure out what's not gonna work um, and what's gonna work. For instance, this month is one of the slower months for ad revenue. So I just did a video last week. It's got 90,000 views and it paid less than a video that got 10,000 views just, just two weeks earlier. It doesn't mean anything. I'm just telling you like, strategically, if I was to have those videos flip spaces, it would have been a big dividend to me different. But the the thing is uh, that, or I just tell you that so you guys have a, a perception of that because I don't want to pretend when somebody says, oh, he's not doing, Rob Chapman's not doing great now. I actually think he's probably fine because if I was going to guess, and again, I don't know him, I don't know anybody from him. So I reason I, is I don't have any inside information. If I was gonna guess, he probably made a lot of money at one point on YouTube to the point where he could buy a house cash or he bought everything, he paid all his bills off. I'm not exaggerating by any way, this is my guess by any means. And then of course, when Chapman guitars hit big and all the things that he could collectively put revenue on, I'm pretty sure he probably made a stockpile of cash that let, let put him in a de decent position. And now his channel does pretty good. <laughs> so, cause it does pretty good. It's probably perfect for him. So I would imagine he's doing fine. That would be my guess. And that's from not knowing him or anybody that knows him. It's from knowing how YouTube and how social media works and all this stuff. And so, but to get to Sean's core question, which was, I think Chapman guitars ruined him. Well, it, I don't, I don't know that, but I do know, and again, I'm not saying that for any reason that I just don't know, but I can tell you watching his channel, 
it was exciting to see him create a brand and it was really exciting until it wasn't for me as a viewer. I was watching that and I was like, okay, cool. Oh, he started a company. That's cool. Oh, he's doing well. That's cool. I like to see people do well. And so uh, that was really cool. But then, but then I kind of felt like every, uh, not everybody else, but I kind of felt like some of my friends who said, man, I kind of feel like uh, it's another Chapman commercial. You know what I mean? Chapman guitar commercial. And again, that's my fear is not that it's going to hurt the channel or ruin anybody, uh, you know, ruin anything. It's just, uh, I, like I said, I think that's a slippery slope. And I think he balanced it pretty well, but I still noticed it as a viewer because it, it did affect me. I just all of a sudden was like, I don't really care if there's another Chapman guitar coming out this week. I was kind of hoping he was going to do a blindfold challenge. So there you go. Um, that's just some insight into that. And the only reason I share that with you is because, again, uh, why not share it with you guys? Um, um, Alan Short Music says, I enjoy the YouTube talk, and I think it's best to stay independent because people will trust the channel more. Again, I think, and I agree with you 100%. And uh, I think uh, for me, and, and then this is the last of the YouTube talk, back to Guitar Talk. For me, it's always been uh, how close can you get out, out the, on the on the. Uh, uh, I guess the outliers of it, the borders, uh, right? How how well can I work with a company and still work with my audience and keep it all together? And I've kind of like pushed that envelope as far as I can in each direction to see how far I can. And I've learned real fast, like, okay, this is too, too much with the company. Um, but what I can tell you, the one thing, and just for whatever reason to tell you is, uh, what I can tell you is the core of the audience, whether they're your, your loyal diehards or just the, the general audience that watches, they really don't have a bead of the truth. Um, what I mean by that is I do videos and companies, I don't even work with that company in any way. And somebody will go, oh, that video was obviously a commercial. And it was actually the farthest thing from a commercial. I lost money doing that video. And then another one will be at like what I call like a, a layup, you know, right? The company's like, hey, we'll send you this and we'll send you that. And you just do the video and you do it. And then everybody's like, wow, I loved how independent that was. And I think that's where it gets funny. Sometimes I think there's some truth in that, but also I think the impression of it is, is uh, you know, tricky to understand. Um, yeah. And then a lot of you guys are just talking about a bunch of subjects, but I, again, everything on this uh, Friday show is about to give it insight of whatever insight I can give. So, <laughs> um, uh, Chris Goodwin says Chapman sells Hondas in Arizona. You know, if he did, I'd co-visit him. I, when I say I met him three times, uh, one time, I'm not ashamed to mention any of this, by the way. One of the times I met Rob, Chap Rob Chapman is when he did his guitar tour, the Chapman Guitar Tour through Guitar Center. I went to the Scottsdale Guitar Center. No, sorry. It was the Peoria Guitar Center. And I stood in line. And I remember when I, I watched the, the clinic, and then I stood in line to meet him. And, uh, when I got there, uh, just so you guys know, he was very nice. And he said, well, he goes, he says, I think he said, I don't know if he said bro, but he said something like that. Something cool. Like, you know, right. Where he's like, he's like, man, why did you wait in line? And I'm like, I wanted to say hi and shake your hand. And he was like, you didn't have to stand in line. I go, no, I was enjoying talking to the people in line. I was a bunch of us were just talking about it and stuff. And I wanted to see it. Um, and uh, if that makes me whatever, that makes 50 people unsubscribed, I don't care. I, he was one of the, I told you, I'm on YouTube now because um, I was watching YouTube. I like YouTube. Like I, I've told the story before, I won't tell it again, but a friend of mine asked me to do some videos on Facebook and then YouTube and then took off. And you gotta understand when I go to events, when I go to a lot of YouTuber events, I'm still to this day 
going, oh my God, those are the guys I watched for like six years, you know what I mean? Or 10 years um, that I liked, I enjoyed them. You know, uh, uh, going to these events, I'm, I'm still, I'm not a, uh, uh, I'm not at heart an entertainer, I'm at heart a fan. That's just where I am. That's why my content is nerdy based because I'm just a nerdy person. Like I said, my I Chris Farley every review or interview I ever do. I'm like, remember that time, you were like cool. <laughs> but my point is, so yeah, I'm not ashamed to say I I, I went and, and met him, and I still I think he's still uh, I still like watching him uh, from time to time. It's tough though for me now. That's the thing you lose out on when you uh, make YouTube videos is you tend not to watch a lot of YouTube videos as much anymore. Uh, not because you're afraid, like, I don't, I'm not afraid of taking ideas or anything like that. Uh, I'm just, I, you know, it's, it's guilt. <laughs> I tell you guys, same, the same thing happens to me when I'm working on one of my personal guitars. I go, oh, I probably should work on somebody else's guitar. And the same thing is when I, I watch somebody's YouTube video, I go, I probably should go work on my own damn videos because <laughs> people are asking for my videos. So there you go on that note. Uh, okay. Uh, All right, we gotta get to some more guitar questions. I feel like this is too much off the subject YouTube stuff. Um, uh, we have a guitar question, I know it. Let's refresh this and we'll pull it up and we will say Brian. No, we did Brian. So we're gonna do Vimp69. Vimp69 says, Phil, hey, looks like new amps there next to you. Yeah, you know what it is, those amps are heavy. No, seriously. Uh, so I'm working on a video for a company called Amplified Nation. It's this beautiful work of art, this Dumble amp right here. Um, they sent one to Rhett Shaw and he did an amazing video. And then I guess it did really well, I would imagine, because I saw it has like 100,000, 200,000 views. And of course, you know, uh, uh, Rhett talked about the Dumble amps and stuff. So the owner of this company asked me if I would be interested in making a video and of course, right? You know, this, this is, uh, and I will, again, just tell you up front, uh, this has nothing to do with you guys. <laughs> when the companies reach out to me, it's, it's like a, like I said, like, like, see how I have my hands right now. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. A lot of you guys, I think you perceive I'm, I'm having a moment that I'm not having sometimes. Like they're like, you know, somebody, a company will send me like a $300 guitar and it's a beautiful guitar. Or like, let's say it's a made Mexico Strat or an LTT and they send it to me and I review it. And you're like, man, what a great job you have to get to review this stuff. And it is. However, I see that stuff every day or I've worked on it for, you know, a thousand times or I've sold a thousand of them. So it's still fun. It's exciting, but it's not the same as when I've touched something that I've never seen before. So when they reached out and said, <coughs> excuse me, when they reached out and said, Hey, can we send you this four or $5,000 Dumble clone to check out? I was like, yes, yes, you can please send that to me. And uh, actually, I've actually reached out to him. I'm just trying to get my schedule back in, in line to do a podcast with me for on the bonus channel, uh, the Phil McKnight 2 channel. We'll, we'll talk to the owner about, you know, how did they how did they come up with copying these dumb lamps and what is it? And so, of course, when I was comparing, I was playing it earlier today because uh, I'm still researching it. Um, I got curious about something and I was playing my two rock and then I had to, I had something in my head and I had to compare it to my Dr. Z. My Dr. Z is like a strange amp to me that I, I sometimes I don't even think I like it that much. And then other moments I'm in love. I have no relationship with an amplifier like the Dr. Z. <laughs> 
There are within the same month at one moment, I can tell, I'll tell my friends, like I'm selling the Dr. Z and I actually take it down to my shop and put it on the bench. And I'm like, next time I leave the house, I'm going to take it down and sell it. And then like a couple weeks later, or a couple days later, I plug into it and I go, I'm never getting rid of this. This is the best amp I've ever played. <laughs> and then a couple months later, I'm like, why do I have this? I don't even like it. And then it's the best amp I ever played. So I, that's what I was doing. That's why you see these amps behind me. I was actually testing them. And I was testing up to the moment until the show started because I have to use my time as wisely as I can right now. Uh, Dirt Racer X says, will it chug? It will not chug. <laughs> so Unfreaking Believable says 4,000 plus amp. Here's what's great about this. You know what I want to know? Deep down, the Klon pedals are now what five to ten grand, depending on say five to eight grand, five to eight grand for a pedal. Sure makes five thousand dollar Dumble clones that are made painstakingly, apparently accurate, uh, allegedly. We'll say allegedly accurate. Little Dovidas there, um, <laughs> allegedly accurate. Not seem that crazy, right? I mean, it's still a crazy amount of money, and it's still. I mean, I get it, but you know. Um, other than the collector factor, I don't need somebody going, yeah, but those pedals are collectible. I understand that, but I'm just saying before I, uh, before I, uh, <laughs> before I, um, I buy a, a $10,000 pedal, maybe I'd want to look at a $5,000 amp. I don't know, but, uh, I'll let you know what I think of it. Obviously that's the whole point of the video. That's really what I, what I want to do. Yeah. Somebody says, uh, Pedaly, Pedaly says, I saw Amplified Nation on Instagram ads. For me, it's different for me. So it's interesting that you said that. I'm glad you said that because for me, the problem is, is that when I make content or when I research anything for content I'm about to make, uh, of course I get ads for that stuff all the day long. Like if I check out the new Yamaha, uh, Yamaha amp, or if I check out the new Fender, blah, 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 it's, I mean, I just get inundated with videos and that stuff because, you know, the algorithms don't know the difference between I was searching it for work versus I was just searching for it to buy. So they kind of load me up. So that's what's going on, Vimps. Thank you for the super chat too, by the way. Uh, Rich says, I really want a PRS DGT. That's a uh, Dave Grissom guitar. Uh, it says, I just can't get my head around the price to justify it. What makes the guitar cost four plus thousand dollars? What are we paying for exactly? Well, you're paying for the fact that it's a USA made guitar and it is a Paul Reed Smith guitar. And that's just what their guitars go for now. Now, Rich, something I could suggest to you is, I would say, I don't know the exact date, although I, like I said, I do know what is on the horizon for fourth quarter for PRS, and at least that's what they told me. There's some products coming out in fourth quarter because they asked me if I was interested in reviewing them, and I was, so we'll see if that happens. Because sometimes, you know, they, I'm sure they talk to a bunch of channels and maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't, but if, if it works out, we'll have some cool new products uh, from Paul Reed Smith Guitars uh, between now and the end of the year. That being said, none of those products, <laughs> which I wouldn't tell you if it was, but I'm telling you only because it wasn't. None of those product, products are the Dave Grissom's SR, our, uh, PRS SEs, the import version. So that leads me to believe that the import version may be a first quarter of 2023 product. So what I'm telling you, Rich, is that you might have an opportunity to get a PRS D DGT next year early on in the SE model. So that might be something to fill the belly, so to speak, get that, scratch that itch, get that under your, um, you know, it'll be a sub thousand dollar guitar, I would imagine, uh, you know, uh, is what I would imagine. But um, but if you're asking me what justifies $4,000 cost, nothing justifies any of this stuff. <laughs> we could talk about um, it all day. And the only answer you can come up with is somebody's going to pay for it. And so therefore it sells for that. And the second somebody doesn't pay for it, it stops. And the truth of that is, is over the years, it's done exactly that. They raise prices, sales slump, 
the prices don't go up anymore. They stay stagnant for years and years and years. And then people start buying them because, you know, the inflation and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah. That, uh, so if you're looking for a reason other than you want it, I don't have one for you. It's a quality guitar, of course. But a quality guitar is not what sells a $4,000 guitar. Quality guitars are $400. Heck, I think you could get everything that that guitar offers in quality for uh, less than $1,000. But it is a fantastic guitar. I mean, there's a couple guitars behind me right now. I don't, uh, you could see some of these guitars are ridiculously priced that I have, and none of them would be me saying that they are superior in any way to any other guitar for half the price. They're just something I wanted. I worked hard. I've been collecting a long time, and at some point, an opportunity arose for me to get them. That's how it works. So uh, in your case, you could wait for that opportunity for a used one. You can wait for the SEs, or you could just save your pennies and get it, or wait and get it out of your system. <laughs> I know you know all those answers. I like to just, you know, thank you for the conversation that we can have that other guitar players get to hear. Uh, Pedaly, hey, just said for the pedal jar. Thank you, Pedaly. I appreciate that. Uh, and by the way, the Miserable Turd did a super chat too. By the way, what a horrible and great name at the same time. <laughs> you know, Miserable, when I think about some of your guys's uh, you know, names, uh, like the miserable turd, I think sometimes I suspect that it's not who you really are, right? Like, I feel like sometimes like the one, the, the, I don't know I'm going to call it curmudgeon because I like that word, the curmudgeon names, uh, I bet you they're like the, the funnest guys to hang out with. <laughs> I'm sure every once in a while you, you're, you're like, you're nailing it. Yeah. You're, you're a grumpy dude. But I think for the most part, I bet you're, you're funny as hell. My, my my friends that are the funniest are a little bit on the there's a little bit to be funny sometimes you have to be a little jerky it's kind of like a thing that connects for me at least um and uh kevin thank you again for the super chat i appreciate that as well grumpy my guitar says uh for a 112 cab what is your speaker of choice uh price is no object well in that case they make these gold-plated speakers no i'm just kidding i am a vintage 30 fan through and through and through. Uh, I have greenbacks. I have creambacks. I like both those. I would suggest any of those speakers. I like Eminence. I, um, I have Jensen's. I have all kinds of things, but without a doubt, 90% of the speakers I use are just a vintage 30. I've said this before. It's not, it's not a superior tone. It has nothing to do with anything other than I have played vintage 30s for so long that they have they, I have like, and I know what a vintage 30 sounds like. Like I, right. When I plug my amp through a vintage 30, it's like, I know what of that is immediately the speaker and what of that is the amp. And so if, if I take five amps right now and plug them in the same vintage 30 cabinet, I know exactly what was different about the amps versus the speaker. And it's a universally, I think it's a universally great speaker. Um, it's one of those just, it fits, it does the job, right? Um, so so that's the one I, I, I recommend. I love that speaker. And you can find it for decent prices still. So I know that wasn't the question. And you said price was no object. But and uh, and uh, if you go to I think if you go to Mesa Boogie's website still, you can get their version, which is a British made version. I have AB'd them to insanity, having all of them. I have a vintage 30 made in, well, I have bunches of them, but I mean, I have vintage 30s made in uh, UK. I have vintage 30s made in China and I have vintage vintage 30s means they're just older UK made ones, right? And I cannot, <laughs> c 
cannot give you a decisive answer that says, yes, absolutely go the British route. I, 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 I'm keeping all my British ones, but I, if somebody came in in the middle of the night and switched all my British 30s to uh, Chinese ones, I don't think I would notice, other than maybe if they were a little brighter because they're not broken in yet, but they are so close. Uh, some players swear that they're massively different. I would say at the best they're subtly different, and so I wouldn't worry about it, but... That's not the question or not the, the point I'm giving you is you can buy British made ones for the same price as Chinese ones in most cases. So if you can get those, just buy those. Also, you can also buy them if you used to be able to buy them from Harley Benton in their in their uh, cabinets are cheap. But I don't know how I keep hearing stories that the Harley Benton prices have gotten crazy. Um, Rich says, uh, are we going to be able to buy high quality vacuum tubes in the future or should we start stockpiling now? Well, I think, you know, obviously we talked about this when it happened, you know, the whole uh, thing with the Russian tubes and the Chinese tubes were already a pain in the ass and everything was already happening because, you know, obviously all the layers of pandemic and war. And since then, there's been some expansion. In other words, there's some tubes getting out there, but I don't think you should stockpile tubes. <laughs> okay, I've said this before. If you guys want to hoard up a bunch of tubes it's on you. I, it's not, it's not even an ethics thing for me. It's not anything. It's just, if that's what you want to do, do it. I suggest to everyone, if you have like me, a bunch of tube amps, I have at least a dozen tube amplifiers. I would have some preamp tubes at this point in the world. I would have, like I said, I think I, and again, I'm going off memory downstairs. What I think I have right now is about six to 10 preamp tubes, 12AX7s. I probably have two AT, uh, 12AT7s, one or two AU7s, just a couple, like I said, preamp tubes. And then I, I have probably two sets of power tubes. I think I have two sets of EL34s, or not two sets, a set of EL34s. And I think I have a set of six L6s. I'm not sure why. I, whatever I have makes sense because it's, it's the reason why I have that. Um, that's it. <laughs> if you have a tube amp or two tube amps at home, I would just, like I said, I would recommend if you see a deal on some tubes and you want to have a few, just first of all, before all this, you should always have a couple preamp tubes always around because you never know when one's going to go haywire on you. They get microphonic. There's all kinds of reasons. But uh, anyways, uh, you know, so I wouldn't worry about tons of that stuff. And I say that because, and see the apprehension of my voice is, of course, kind of a couple years from now, you're like, remember when you said not to buy them and now you can't get them anymore? But my argument is real simple. If you can't get tubes anymore, the probably what's going to happen is all the prices are going to skyrocket and only rich people are going to be able to have this stuff. And here's, and I'm just telling you my thought process. You got to understand, when I think of a world, let's say 10 years from now, and 10 years, if a tube is $600, I don't own any tube amps. I'm selling all of them. Some rich asshole. I'll be like, hey man, good for you. You're you you own all my amps at top dollar. You paid 10 times what I paid for these things. And you can maintain them, right? I'm not doing it. I'll play my Kemper. <laughs> I'll play, I'll play the the Tone Master amps. I'll play the stuff I got. I mean, like I said, this is all a luxury to some extent. You know, this is all luxury items. And so this stuff's expensive, and if and, you know if you can ex if you can afford it, that's great. But in my mind, I am not going to own a tube amp uh, that's worth you know twenty thousand dollars and has fifteen hundred dollars worth of tubes in it. <laughs> like just at that point, I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, tone's not 
that important. Okay, I can figure out how to get a good sound out of a solid sedan amp at that point. So, like I said, that's why I don't worry about it too much when I worry about stuff. They said the same thing with rosewood. Remember when rosewood uh, was put on the endangered species, or not endangered species, but when CITES kind of blocked it out, and it was like, what's going to happen when rosewood prices go out of control and you can't own a rosewood? I'm like, well, like everything in life, I'll have ebony. And and if I have a rosewood guitar and it's rosewood so expensive that all rosewood guitars are worth a fortune, I will sell them because I will buy the things that I enjoy and can afford and I'll be able to afford them really well because I will sell these things to overpriced things to people who just don't have pocketbook limitations. And and I always point this out one more time just, for, just to point it out. My pocketbook limitations aren't even physical in the in how much money I have. It is mental of what I'm willing to spend, period. So I've said this, like um I I read a thing once that they asked all these millionaires. I love this. They asked all these millionaires like if a hundred dollars was a lot of money. And one of the things, one of the people they asked was Julia Roberts. And she said yes, a hundred dollars is a lot of money. And some millionaires said no, right? And I guess the heart of this uh, at the heart of this article was that if you Julia Roberts grew up poor. So I think what they were trying to say is if you grew up poor and you get money when you're an adult, you still think like, I'm not wasting money, <laughs> right? And I think that's the problem with uh, within me. Within, that's my thing, is that I, I don't care how much money I get in life, there's only so much I'm going to spend on frivolous things because just it's just not my thing. And God bless everyone, like I said, this. I mean this heartfelt as can be. If you have the money and you can just walk around and have everything, uh, all this crazy stuff, you can have a $30,000 watch and do all this stuff. I mean, have at it. I, I'm happy for you. I'm not unhappy to have that stuff. I'm, I just, like I said, this stuff brings me joy and I don't want any stress from it. And here's what I mean by that. Even if I had millions of dollars in the bank I, and if I had a $20,000 guitar and it got scratched, I would just, I'd be miserable. Because <laughs> it's just the idea of that much money, you know, being damaged. Uh, that's why I can't do it. Can't do it. So uh, there you go. <laughs> it's a, so that's the thing where I have tubes. So that's what I'm saying about hoarding tubes. You guys can hoard tubes, but I really think, like I said, if tubes really go bad and it all goes bad, I will just, uh, <laughs> I would just um, get a get a get a modeling thing. It'd be fine. I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. So, um, okay, let's go back to some questions and, and we have, uh, Ben says, uh, I'm deployed to NATO, Eastern flank, uh, Poland, Baltics, Fen uh, sorry, Baltics. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Poland, Baltics, Finland, Germany, etc. What guitar brand should I seek for purchase that it isn't easily available in the U S Oh, you know, there's a ton and, and not just expensive stuff. Um, my Bach is a great, they're made in the Czech Republic. Very, very cool brand of guitars and relatively more affordable there than they are here. Very good quality uh, for, for guitars. You know, one thing I would suggest to you, Ben, too, if you're there, if you're stationed there. Uh, so I'm going to give you some brands, but then I'm going to give you the better suggestion of those brands. So, of course, there's Framus, which is great uh, there. Again, there, because th you can find them for less money. Um, then then there's, um, uh, like I said, I saw uh, t t uh, uh, Maybach. Um, then there's, uh, I'm trying to think there's, there's, uh, Tone Fuchs. I mean, these are high end guitars now, right? Like Tone Fuchs is 
crazy expensive. Uh, Nick Uber, uh, stuff like that. But what I would definitely do is check out Henning. It's called HP42. Henning Polly is his name. So it's 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 just HP, right? The letters HP42 is his channel. And um, what Henning does on his channel, besides you know he reviews stuff, but where he's got a, a, his his niche is he does a lot of the brands from Europe. And uh, I would check out his channel for brands and just go through his, you know, his thumbnails and look for brands. And he does tons and tons of brands that are for European only. And the reason I know that is because obviously I know him very well. And then also um, when I've been to Germany uh, and we talk, there's tons of brands that, um, that, like you said, that are not just, they're over there, but also they're a better price over there. So you can get them and come back with something cool. So I would definitely check out, check out. the two I'm going to recommend is my, my Bakken and, uh, and Framus. Those are the two I like from there that I think are more affordable in that region, you know, in that area. Um, but there's tons of brands. There's a great, um, you know what? There's a great British brand, uh, brand uh, that escapes me right now, which isn't doing you any good. <laughs> What's the name of the brand? Um, but, uh, but like I said, there's a ton of brands. There's tons of brands over there. Um, I wish I could think of the British brand. They're another, I have no luck with any European brands. None. I, n yeah, I was trying to think of an exception. No, I'm talking about guitar brands and brands. I seem to do well, like, uh, Ingle is really cool. And Hughes and Kettner has been really great. Uh, they've sent amps and we've done stuff when it comes to brands overseas, uh, in, in Europe, uh, Germany, there's just, it seems like there's just like, there's no interest to be here in the U S when I talk to them. Or this is no interest to be on this channel. Maybe 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 that's probably more accurate. But um, when I talk to them, they seem to never really care. <laughs> so that's why you don't see too many of them on the channel. Um, okay. Oh, and by the way, man, Ben, thank you for your service, man, and and, and have some fun while you're there too. It's a great, oh, it's a great place. Enjoy some of that that uh, that beer. <laughs> I miss it. Uh, Voodoo Fist says, hey, Phil, $10 for the KYG tip jar. I appreciate that. And uh, and uh, I appreciate that so much. Thanks for the super chat. Let's uh, let's take his super chat and go back to the main screen to what you guys are talking about and talk to some uh, questions and subjects that are not super chats. Gordon Smith, thank you so much, Stephen. Stephen says Gordon Smith. Gordon Smith is a UK brand that you should check out, Ben. Uh, great stuff, man. Blows me away the same same pricing. Um, uh, as cheap pricing for the, what they are. Uh, you're getting a lot of guitar for that money, for sure. Uh, somebody says, Chris, uh, Steve also said Crimson Guitars. Another Steve, not Steven. Uh, Crimson Guitars, again, tons of things. But see, the problem is like some of that stuff, like I've never played a Crimson Guitar. I don't know. I've played the Gordon Smith. It was a fantastic guitar. I got to play it at the NAMM show. Actually, it was the Tone Kings, the channel. They gave the Tone King one to do on his channel, and he let me play it for a few minutes, and I was like, wow, this is really impressive. And uh, and uh, same thing, like I said. So it's hard for me to, like, I can't just recommend ones, like, willy-nilly. Like, check, just because they're a brand, go check them out. Everything I told you earlier, uh, Framus, the Maybach, uh, the... the um, uh, I already Gordon Smith. Those are ones I physically played and I can at least test to say, Hey, the ones I touched were really, really good and check them out. But, uh, uh, let's see. 
And a lot of and it looks like a lot of people in the comments are giving you a lot of great suggestions as well. Okay. All right. And hold on. Real quick. I don't know why. Sometimes Okay, we have uh, another question from Craig. Craig says, or subject, he says, Hey, Phil, there's a uh, speck in the finish of my neck of my new Revstar. Is there a way of removing it without damaging the satin finish? It's not annoying enough to ship the guitar back. Um, I'm not a finish person. Like, I don't do refinish work, so I, I'm not very versed in this stuff. But what I can tell you is, is that if it's under the finish, the only way to get to it is, of course, to sand through the finish and then get rid of it and then clear coat it and fix it all. And so um, that's, and again, I'm not a finished guy, so I don't know. But when we've had problems and I've had to send it to somebody, that's what they've done. They've removed it through that. If it's under the finish, the finish has to come on to get, come off to get to it. So there you go. Um, I would say, and again, I always suggest this because I know what you're saying. Look, it's not annoying enough to ship it back. Well, then that's also where there's a compromise, right? Because I always remind people, like, the answer is not just I like it and I keep it and I don't like it and go back. There's somewhere in between, which is maybe you can take a picture of that and send that to the seller who sold it to you and say, hey, look, this is an issue. And, you know, I don't want to send it back if I don't have to, but I also don't want to pay full price for something that I, I deem is defective in some way. And if they can, especially if you can get them to agree with that, yeah, that's not right. It shouldn't look like that. And remember, it's not, I always say member, remember, remember, it's not always about the person selling you the instrument. There is a manufacturer. The manufacturer can be held accountable by the seller. So what I tell you is this, is if you, if I was the seller of that guitar and I sold it to you and you contacted me and said, Phil, there is a, a flaw on the finish. I don't want to get rid of the guitar because I like the guitar, but also I don't love this, this flaw in the finish. There are options and that price of guitar Getting it fixed is probably not an option. If the guitar was more expensive to where like, you know, you could eat a few hundred dollars for refinish work, I could say, okay, well, why don't you have it refinished and we'll deduct that from what you paid from the guitar. Maybe that's a, a way to save it. And, and in your case, I don't think it's going to be an option, but what would be an option is some kind of discount to say, Hey, look, why don't we refund you back X amount of dollars? And you can leave that up to them. Like, Hey, what is this? You know, I will tell you what I would do <laughs> so, you know, as, as the seller. You would say you have the issue, and I would immediately say, okay, well, uh, Craig, what is it that you would like to have us do? You know, what would you like me to? And hopefully you would say, like, I want you to take off $100. And I go, great. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and or sometimes you would say, I don't know, what do you want to do? And then I have to come up with something. But what I tell you by this, Craig, is is remember, the seller then, that would be in this scenario, would be me in this, in this scenario, I would then have the right to go to the manufacturer with your pictures and saying, talk to my... Uh, Yamaha rep and say, Hey, I got this Revstar. It went to a customer. It has a defect. I discounted it. Can you compensate me in some way with either that being discounted on the next purchase I do or this? And then of course they could come back and say yes, or they can come back and say, no, we want the guitar back. Cause sometimes manufacturers do that, but that's some kind of crap they like to pull sometimes too. Cause they know you're gonna, you're not going to take it, you know, send it back because the customer doesn't want to give it back. So, but either way, and I'm, I've never had a problem with the Yamaha, so I don't want to say anything about them because I haven't had that problem. Most manufacturers, most reps, if you have a good relationship with them, they'll take care of it. I mean, I've had reps 
that I had such a good relationship with, they would go, okay, I talked to my boss and they said, suck it. <laughs> They're not going to do anything. And I go, okay. And they go, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to send you $138 of swag because he can he has a swag account. He can swag us up or, you know what I mean? The reps can take care of you. You know what I mean? He's like, I got a $25 gift card to Denny's. I don't, you think I'm kidding. That's something I received once from a rep. <laughs> and I was happy to take it because it was coming out of his pocket. Like I said, I, I'm not... I'm not, you know, I'm not naive to know like, hey, man, he was just trying to make me happy and I was trying to make my customer happy and we were all doing what we could. And that's sometimes how it has to happen. <laughs> so um, so I, that's what I would suggest to you is that maybe you should take a picture of it and send it to the seller and say, hey, um, even if it's uh, past the return date or any of that stuff, just say, hey, I just noticed it. Uh, like I said, there's nothing wrong. And I always say this, be polite, always ask and see what happens. And you know, if people really want to to earn your business and keep your business, they'll take care of you. That's what I, I you know, I've. And if they don't take care of you, well, you're you've learned two things. One, you're going to stare at this uh, spot and finish, and there's nothing to do, and you're never going to go back to that person for sale or purchase. You get the idea. Uh, the next one is what's the next? The next one says, "Thanks for all you do. someday I'll catch it live again." Well, I'm glad you're catching it live now. It's D. Sharon. Thank you for. D. Sean, D. Space Sean, I appreciate that. And then, uh, <laughs> I got another super chat from Miserable Turd. I think it's because he's uh, he's sending crazy things, uh, crazy comments, and I think he's just trying to super chat too. I appreciate the comments; they're funny. Uh, at ten says, "Hey Phil, if you have a seven or eight string, are there any considerations you need to think of amps, pedals?" Uh, thanks, Phil. Love the show. Yeah, yes, yes. Not with amps. Most amps are going to take, you know, I mean, a seven string, probably not a problem. An eight string, I mean, maybe if you're using some old vintage amp with an eight inch speaker that's on the, it's la you know, it's 30, 40 years old, maybe you could blow a speaker with that low end frequency, like a, running like a bass. That seems pretty extreme, but that would be the most extreme I can think of. The only thing you have to think about with eight strings and seven strings when it comes to pedals and guitar and amps is, um, you're going to EQ them probably slightly differently just for all that low frequencies because low frequencies and distortions are sometimes uh, not good bedfellows. They don't do well. So you got to kind of adjust it a little bit. But on that, no, you know, that's the great thing about it. You can, you can do it all the same. Let me put it this way. I have a seven string. I don't play eight string anymore. I had one for a few times, you know, for fun to try it. Um, I do have seven strings. I have one behind me, I think. It's in the corner, pointing at it, seven string right there, Ibanez. Um, I don't do anything for those guitars when I plug them in. I don't change anything. I don't, but I mean, you could, you know, make adjust and stuff, but I don't change anything. I just plug in and play them just like anything else. To me, it's no different than if I just down tune my six string. Okay. Uh, all right. Thanks, Abe. Abe just became a member. That's kind of cool. I never realized before it was telling me when you guys popped in and become a member. I see another one, too. The other one is Frank. Thank you, Frank, uh, for the memberships. They, um... Yeah, Jim just said it. Wow, new members all over the place. I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys supporting this the channel and stuff. Um, and if you're a member of Patreon, like I said, first thing I always remind everybody, but I try to keep reminding everybody, is uh, give as many suggestions as possible. <laughs> So, um, because it helps, 
It helps a lot. Okay. Um, I sent a wolf head. Woohoo, Denny's. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Um, I'm just looking at you guys' comments and questions, so let's see. Uh, this is uh, Saul Goody. Guitar says, hey, Phil, thanks for the links in the description. Uh, just tuned in, and thanks for the Guitar Builders Collective shout-out. Hey, uh, I'm glad you made a comment. So, you know, if you can send me an email to the Ask Know Your Gear, if you have better links for me, I found the links I could find and give them, but if you have better ones, I'll update them when I do the timestamp on the show and stuff. So just let me know. I just want to make sure you get the, the, the proper links and stuff, you know. So um, I appreciate that. Okay. Um. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other subjects before we go? We can wrap it up anytime. I think we kind of hit everything. But um, I just want to see. Uh, Can says, did you see my question? Let's see if I saw your question. Okay. Huh. How weird. I don't see your question. So weird. I see you say, I see your comment that you see my question, but I don't see the question. There you go. I don't see it. It's just empty. So can, if you can just, po if you can, if you can, can, uh, if you could just post it, just post it. And you know, now I'll, I'll grab it because I'm in real time right now. I'm seeing people's comments in real time. Andy X says he's gassing for a new Squire Baritone Tele. That is a great guitar. That, you know what I mean? If you're going to get a Tele, I, I think that's one of the... Or if you're going to get a Baritone, that's one of the Baritones I like. I've said this before. I'm not a huge Baritone player. I like the idea of them, and I, I never end up playing them, and then I get rid of them. But I think if you love playing them, you should... I mean, you, you know, you do it. I love doing it. I just don't... I kind of like... I don't ever put it, I don't ever reply it to anything I do. And then I kind of feel bad like I didn't. Miserable Tour says, you didn't read my super chat. That's really funny because I don't, I, this is what's weird with your guys' super chats. Your super chat is blank. So same thing with can. It shows it's blank. So like same with can. If you can post something, I'll gladly grab it real quick. Uh, yo, yo man, yo man says, is the used market finally cooling down? Look, it is, it is cooling down. We talked about this last week. It's been slowing down, however, slowing down. And this is where, again, there's the, I, I've been loving it lately. Like everything's like, oh, it's the end of the guitar sales and everything's dead. And let me tell you, that's what they're saying. But I, st you can still see guitars are moving. Like they're still moving at, at a good amount of guitars. There is... There is a gunk up, but you got to understand part of this is, and, and just let me run this by you. Let me float this by you guys so you understand. Okay. Um, during the pandemic, having a boom of guitar sales is such a generic broad stroke. Again, I like that term. That doesn't really say anything. So let me really kind of explain it this way. 
so during the pandemic, and I'm going to use this, I'm going to use Epiphone as a perfect example. Let's say during the pandemic, you let's say Epiphone, and, and these aren't exact numbers by any means. These aren't even correct numbers, but they're numbers I think you can follow along with. Let's say Epiphone sells 100,000 guitars a year. And during the pandemic, they got 200,000 orders, double the orders. And we're not even talking about supply chain issues. We're not talking about anything. All we're talking about is you, they couldn't, supply 200,000 guitars. So let's say they did 150,000 guitars, which means there's 50,000 guitars that people want, but don't exist. So what people do, because they want to buy something, is they bought another brand. So in my experience of the pandemic uh, was brands like Tajima and Dean, for example, those are two perfect brands, were selling at epic numbers way beyond what I think they should have been selling at. And this is not an indictment of those two brands. I have been very positive to both those brands over the years, and I think they're good brands. However, that being said, they did not deserve, I don't know if deserve is the right word, they did not earn those sales. They got them as overage. In other words, somebody wanted another brand and couldn't get it because there was more customers than those brands could provide. And this is why this is important. During the pandemic, of course, of course, Fender sold epic numbers. Of course, Gibson did. Of course, of course, Ibanez was sold out. Of course. But then, here's why I say of course, because it makes sense. Those brands sell great, period. And then we had a boom, so they sold out. My question, which is what I said to retailers, I have a friend, uh, I'm sorry, squeaky mic stand, sorry. I have a friend, he owns a music store, and he was like, man, we're killing it, it's gonna be great, it's the best, and I go, you're killing it because Sweetwater's out of gear. You're killing it because if you look at the boom, if you were looking at a chart of guitar sales and how they were working and how they're operating, you can see certain brands sold out first, certain online and re retailers sold out first. They became depleted. And then those customers went to other retailers and other brands. And why that's important to understand is, is that that's great. That's good news. Who doesn't want that, right? If if you're a brand, a smaller brand, and you got to benefit from the fact that there was more customers than the big brands could could fulfill, then it's good. You got to, you guys like a, as a payday, it's a great payday for you. This is where it's scary. And I've been cautioning people for the last year or so. But when the market slows down, it's not equalized. It's not we go from a million guitars sold to half a million, and then it's just equalized like Fender drops 10%, and then Tajima drops 10%. No, no, this is how it works. And again, I don't want to pick on a brand, so I'll just, I got to, unfortunately, because it's the only way this is going to make sense. Fender will drop, let's say in theory, 20% in sales. If Fender drops 20%, Tajima's dropping 40%. That's just how that's going to work because the there was brands that were just doing well, better than normal because the market was big and there was brands doing better than normal because other brands couldn't, couldn't basically fill any more orders. So this is why I'm telling you, this is why it's important right now when the market, to say is the market cooling down, is the market slowing down? Yes and no. 
the deals are very good right now if there's overage. In other words, if a brand was basically still building, shipping guitars at the level they were a year and a half ago, or still trying to do so, and their sales were artificially inflated by another brand, in other words, it's artificial, it's not real, then yeah, they're going to be feeling it and you're going to get discounts. And then other brands, people still want them. So that's what you're going to see. You're going to see it, it's going to sl it's slowing down, but it's not equalized is what I'm trying to basically get at is that you're not going to see um, every brand taking the same hit. Sean says, Sweetwater still has Fender at 10% off. Guitar Center, the other day when I was at Guitar Center, had all the Fender made in Mexico stuff at 20% off. Uh, everything that was $849 was marked as $679 because there's too much, it's too much product. So that's that's exactly that. Because Fender, I think, when I think of companies who did the pandemic the worst, it was Fender. And I, again, here's how bad this is. Think of all the criticism people have given Gibson for all the years. And in my opinion, Gibson handled the pandemic way better than Fender did in the way that how they executed on it. Uh, Fender, I think, business model was, I, I, and again, when I say horrible, I don't mean for them, it might end up, that was the best financial strategy for them. But as a strategy as a whole, it was a horrible strategy. But back to, back to what I'm saying about the market currently right now, which is, yes, it's softened, so you can get some deals, which is good. And but if you still, if there's certain things that were hard to get before, before the pandemic, right, they're hard to get now because <laughs> it's not crashing. It's just slowing down. And as it slows down, the real thing that's going to hurt is all the, I don't want to say sub brands, but that's the best way to put it. Sub brands, uh, the brands that normally don't do as well, they're going to go back uh, real fast to the old days, faster than the bigger brands will. So, um, yeah, like Julian's saying, does uh, the U.S. have a Ibanez electric uh, guitar shortage like Canada does? No shipment. Yeah, Ibanez is another brand that's got a shortage of guitars. Again, all the main brands seem to have the same problem and because their demand has, except for Fender. Fender seems to be the most overstocked right now as a main brand. They're the only ones. And I think it's because, because um, I believe, <laughs> again, this is not, this is important. I got to say, I believe this. It's not a fact. I'm not stating any information. I believe that not only did Fender, there was the boom. This is why I say, when I say Fender didn't handle it right. Uh, and again, they're a billion dollar corporation. I'm just a dude uh, on YouTube. So again, you know, who am I? I'm just telling you something I observe as not somebody who's, who do, does anything for a living as someone who hangs out with guitar nerds all day. And literally we're in the market every day. Um, here's what I noticed guitar uh, Fender did that I thought was not a good move. What they did was they, the boom came of course. Right. And they sold a lot of stuff. And instead of a kind of like navigating the boom, they try to inflate the boom. In other words, I believe this is important that I say I believe, because 
for because I don't want to state anything as a fact. I believe that a lot of their price increase, increases were just them increasing prices. There was inflation. It seemed more apparent with them than most any other company. I feel like all of a sudden there was inflation, and then Fender's like, eh, and they won't notice. We'll just tack that on. It felt that way. And because here's why: because when you look at other companies, it didn't. It wasn't the same. It was like all of a sudden it was like they knew we were gonna pay it, and they just put a price there and to see. Just like scalping tickets to a concert. You're like, yeah, okay, we'll just see what they'll pay. These are idiots. Let's see what they do. And that's how it felt to me. And then on top of that, this is the thing that I couldn't understand was, okay, so you have a boom and guitar and guitar stores and vendors are buying at an epic rate as customers buy an epic rate. And when I would talk to all the stores that were Fender dealers, because obviously I was a Fender dealer for a decade. So I talked to friends that still have Fender dealerships. There was a lot of like, Fender, like you have to do this and you have to buy more. You have to buy more. You're buying more than you ever bought before, but you have to buy even more. Why do you have to buy even more? And it's because I, like I said, it's like Fender wanted the boom to even be bigger than it was. That's how it came across to me was like, and, and here's why I say that was bad because at some point that bubble has to burst. The, the real bubble had to burst, but then you pushing that to make it be as big. And it just felt a little, I felt a little greedy is what it felt like. And meanwhile, meanwhile, as a guitar repair person slash reviewer, I couldn't get two Fenders that weren't problematic because Fender was putting them out too fast. And I know there's a fear because I've talked to all the companies, retailers and manufacturers. There's a fear of, hey, we don't want to lose on these sales. I get it, man. We all have kids we got to feed. We all got bills we got to pay. So it's, it's, but there's a difference between that and look, you're going to ruin your business if you pump out tons and tons of bad product. And I feel like some companies really pumped out a lot of bad product during the pandemic. Again, putting these exaggerated tolerances on how many guitars they're going to make and how fast they're going to get them out. And it's it just seemed crazy. And the, all of that isn't even worth mentioning, except for if you look at where Fender's at now, it seems, of course, that's where they're at now. Because... If I, if any of the things I felt was accurate or even close to accurate, this is the result of that. So, uh, and I'm, I'm sure it won't be uh, long before we hear Fender's going to back up and kind of change their QC and change things and get back on track because they were, they're a good company. Look, we all Fender friends. I have a Fender, like we all have Fenders. Um, I have less Fenders than I've ever had <laughs> in the last probably 20 years. Um, but I still have lots of fenders and I like fenders and I don't think, obviously, I, I obviously don't think this is going to destroy fender in any way. It's just, I think these decisions are going to have some, some repercussions. And so hopefully they'll, they'll work past them. Those are just my thoughts. Larry fun time. Carl says fender is getting closer to Gibson. I literally, like I said, I just feel like they flipped. I feel like during the pandemic, Gibson to me, because they were already on that trajectory to do so, kind of slimmed the skews, uh, the, the different products, focused on getting those products out to, to right? They, they did a lot of stuff too. They also made dealers, you know, pre, pre-order stuff and all this stuff. But more importantly, I feel like that was more about figuring out who the real dealers are. In other words, who's really selling product and who's just benefiting from the boom, kind of figure out your stuff. But it's weird to me. It feels like exactly that. It feels almost like they flipped. Like, all the complaints we had about Gibson for all the years before the pandemic seems like what Fender started doing. And, all, and Fender it's, and Gibson had fixed all that stuff. It's really interesting. 
Yeah. BC Rich 581 says, remember when people commented, remember, here's what's funny about BC Rich 581's comment. When he says, remember when, you mean, remember in 2020, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not even three years ago. Yes. So it's, it's funny because it's like when you remember when, you're like 10 years ago. No, this is just a couple years ago. And his comment is, remember when people commented about how they wish Gibson ran their company like Fender? Absolutely. And he says, looks like that moment arrived. Not in a good way. Uh, yes, I, I, I literally think uh, it's interesting that, um, like for for me, what I thought was interesting and it was tough for the on the show was the Acoustasonics series stuff. Everybody would go every week. Hey, what do you think of the Acoustasonics? And like I said, I thought they were pretty cool. Uh, but I don't know why there's like so many different ones now. I just feel like really this seems like a lot of energy to put into an a, an off product. And again capitalizing on the fact that people were a little loose with their money, right? That's what the pandemic really was. It was just people making, you know, more splurgy type decisions with their money, you know, because, hey, you're stuck at home, you're miserable. Maybe you need a $2,000 acoustic, not really an acoustic guitar. Oh, and maybe you need a jazz shape one versus a telly one versus a strat one. And maybe you need a different one, right? And maybe you need one with a graphic on it. And I'm like, I would watch that each each time they would come out with another Acoustasonic product. And I'm like, you know, I get it. You want to cash in. That's how I felt. Like I said, that's how it felt. I felt. I get it. You want to cash in on the fact that people were buying at that time. But there's a long-term effect that you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with the fact that those things are going to be littered throughout the stores for the next 10 years. And this is not an indictment of the product. I think the product's fine. I just think they made way too many of them, way too many versions, and way too many colors. And nothing pisses off a guitar player more than spending $2,000 to watch and walk in a store one day and find the guitar that you paid two grand for, for 800 bucks, $700. It's, it's, it, it pisses you off because one of the benefits that musicians get to do, whether you're working or, or uh, 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 a working musician or a collector or a rock star, is that, look, man, you get to buy some of the stuff and get some of your money back when you find something else you like a little bit more. It's kind of the fun of it. And no one wants to take a bath on this stuff. And so those kind of decisions kind of affect that. And that's like I said, that's where I come uh, come from on those ideas. Um, but but there you go. Uh, hold on a second. I'm just reading some of the comments. Okay. Um Yeah, B Rich C says sold more glasswork than ever before. Also bought a few guitars in the pandemic. Well, I, of course, we, everybody who sold stuff benefited from the pandemic. I obviously did too. It was epic. That's why I said, what's funny about you guys in the pickups, you know, we talked about my pickups. The thing about my pickups is I released the pickups during the pandemic. Some of that was because of the fact that, I, I mean, I told you guys, you guys were asking me to make pickups and I wasn't interested in doing that. But then Arizona shut down face-to-face -face business and I couldn't have anybody come and pick up their repairs. And look, I didn't know the future like anybody else. So my decision was, well, I can't do repairs and repairs is basically, like I said, my way I make a living is I have multiple streams of income. And through those multiple streams of income, not only is the collectively do I how I pay, make a living, it's also in case something goes wrong, right? I don't know. YouTube can tomorrow go, we don't pay YouTubers anymore. And then I don't get monetized from this. Or there's all kinds of things that can just happen. And I don't trust 
like any sane person on the planet Earth, I don't trust any big corporation to have my my best interest in mind. So I don't trust in any of that stuff. That's why I said that's why I don't try to work with as many companies as possible uh, as, as possible because of the fact that you know their agendas are going to be much different than my agendas and how I how I do my personal business with you guys in this in this uh, YouTube arrangement. So the importance of that is once that happened, I go, okay, what am I doing? I go, well, people have been asking for my pickups for a long time. Why don't I, I wind some pickups? And like I did the limited edition uh, stands, I did those guitar stands and we did a limited edition, you know, like a paddle or a limited edition, anything, a limited edition bases we did with uh, Valiant. Anytime we do something, I was like, okay, we'll, we'll do some pickups. And because of the pandemic, you guys bought way more pickups than I thought I was going to sell in my lifetime, much less. And then this is the problem. The problem is, is that uh, a lot of you guys keep saying to me like, hey, Phil, you're out of stock. I'm like, right, because I am not going to make a gazillion pickups so I can spend the next two years on my live show going, hey, guys, I still got 150 in stock and they're 30% off. I don't want to do that because you know what? That doesn't hurt me. It does. But it really hurts everybody who paid premium for them. So you paid premium for my pickups. So my labor was worth something to me. But also... I'm not going to undercut you guys. I'm not going to sit there and sell a, you know, a pickup. And so if you guys decide that you don't like my pickup in six months and you want to get a bare knuckles, you could put it on reverb. And because I've kept the integrity of what I did, you should get most of your money back. I hope. All right. <laughs> I kind of feel like this ended a little weird. All right. But I think it was fun. Hopefully it was all guitar talk and fun. As always, I want to thank you guys so much. Uh, for hanging out, uh, and I hope you guys are planning to have a great weekend. I'm going to check out the amp a little bit more this weekend. Hopefully that video will be coming up soon. It's supposed to be in the, not this week, but the following week. So, um, uh, so you know, I think that will be fun, some more fun content. Hopefully my new guitar will, I'll share that with you. Uh, you know what? You guys asked me to do a video about that. Maybe I'll do an unboxing, fun, like unboxing of my Nags guitar. It'd be really cool. So, um, and as always, I want to thank you guys so much for your time. And until next Friday at 3, uh, you guys have a great week and play some guitar and uh, know your gear. And of course, I said that. And as always, I'm never in the right screen to push the button. Okay. And know your, we'll see. We'll pretend it went right this time. And I'll go, and know your gear.